Welcome, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden. I am very pleased to be joined today by USPTA elite professional Ed Shonopy, who is the director of tennis at Sipican Tennis Club in Marion, Massachusetts. Ed, you got quite a resume here. You're doing a, a podcast, Beyond the Baselines, which you uh, were uh, so kind to have me as a guest most recently. And um, you played collegiately at Duke University before transferring to London, where you played tennis at the London School of Economics, actually leading that school uh, to a championship in the uh, British University Championships. You were coached by the likes of Roger Taylor. Did you play with Roger Taylor at Wimbledon in the doubles? Not in the doubles championships, no. Okay. Just, no, 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 no. All right, just checking. No, I, I, I played with him and his actually his daughter, who was the, the, the captain of the women's team at the LSE. And it was our end-of-year kind of uh, showdown. And uh, it was a great time, but I got to play at the All England Lawn Tennis Club, which was probably the highlight of my collegiate career. <laughs> it was fantastic then and to play with Roger, who's, you know, one of the greats. I think you lost to Borg in the semis uh Back in the 70s. Great great guy, great player. Certainly one of the great Brits of all time. And, of course, I don't want to leave out the fact that you were a chair umpire along with teaching tennis for all these years, and you started at age 14, so you've got some mileage under your belt. Uh, but you were also a chair umpire on the ATP Tour for, for several years as well. Yeah, one of our – well, there were two coaches at the LSE. One was Roger Taylor. He, he, he was kind of the uh, elder statesman coach, and then the day-to-day coach was a – fellow by the name of Rich Kaufman, who just right. recently left the USTA as chief of umpires. But at that time, he was uh, the chief supervisor for the ATP Tour, and he got to know me on the team there and put, took me under his uh, wing, took me up with Jerry Armstrong to my first uh, tournament that I ever uh, umpired up in uh, Dublin, Ireland. And then from there, it was just going around uh, starting you know, with the ATP Tour events. And then um, I never chaired... Uh, major, you know, a major match at a at a at a Grand Slam, but you know, I was there 26 weeks a year doing the tour. It was a, it was a great time for for a few years, three years. Well, welcome to KickServeRadio.com, and I'm going to start you Thank out you. with a curveball because I told you uh, a number of topics that I was going to touch on. But now that we talk about the fact that you were an umpire, what are your thoughts on the tour coming back and these players potentially playing some pro tennis without fans? Well, I, I think it'll affect the you know, the mojo on the, uh, on the court. Um, I, I, I feel for the players, the toughest part right now is they can't practice and that, and that's going to be tough when the, the tour starts up again. I mean, that's what kind of why I think they canceled the Olympics. There's a lot of reasons why they canceled the Olympics, but a lot of the athletes can't train. And I don't think they, you could ask an athlete or a tennis player to go back on the tour that fast. And, 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 you know, maybe it's a good thing that the, the, the crowd's not there because the tennis might not be, stellar with all this downtime and uh i think it'll be tough to come back and whenever they come back september october um it's gonna it's gonna take a while for the the tour to rejuvenate and 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 gain momentum just like the economy and i i I feel for the players and that leads me to the first topic that i did tell you we were going to discuss which which is a little bit more along the lines of what you and i do professionally uh which is we're, we're both directors of tennis at seasonal clubs, my season's a little bit longer than yours just because of where I am uh, proximity-wise, geographically. But what adjustments, Ed? You're out there in Marion, Massachusetts, and you're doing an outdoor club, which is kind of a Memorial Day to Labor Day is kind of your typical season? 
That's correct. Yep, Memorial Day is our kickoff. So, so talk about what kind of adjustments you see making in terms of start times and end times, and and any other adjustments that you're looking to make for the sake of of, of safety and maintaining some social distancing. Kind of what's going through your mind with all that? Well, I, you know, I've been in contact with a lot of the the directors up in that area. Um, I'm in Florida right now, so it's tough to get a handle on, you know, the thought process in Massachusetts. But I've been in touch with my board, obviously, and and a lot of directors up there. Some of the directors are talking about only laying, you know, some of the courts so that there's space between courts. Uh, my my board is laying all the courts. We we lay them out, you know, first week of May. Takes a couple weeks to roll them in. Uh, we have the original green. We're not hard to original green clay. They're like mud when you start. So they're going to lay out all eight takes us a while to get them in shape. I think the adjustments we, we've already made is we have a, a big kickoff adult camp, usually the first or second week of June. We're going to move that to the end of June. Now, we start Memorial Day, but really, it really kicks in uh, when the kids get out of school, which is around June 20th, June 25th, depending on how many snow days they've had or how this whole uh, COVID-19 will affect the school days. But um, So we have a little play there, but we've moved, we've moved the... Um, the adult camp back. We've also moved uh, our opening day, which was scheduled for June 15th, back to the 22nd. That might move back to the maybe the 29th. At the moment, the the big adjustments I've made is I have applied for a PPP loan. I have been granted a PPP loan for all my 1099 subcontractors for the summer, so I'll be paying them within the next eight weeks their their stipend for the summer. And then I also am looking at possibly. Uh, reducing the numbers of adults and juniors on each court. So we have eight courts there, and I might be changing clinic time so that when the adults are not on open play, we can have clinics in the afternoons where we take three, four, maybe six courts, and we can service up to 18 to 24 people. But I'm, I'm looking at the juggling those court times so that we keep the number of people on the courts to a minimum per court. And I think that leads me into my next question for you, Ed, which is teaching and playing protocols and how different those are going to need to be for all of us this season. And I think you've kind of hit the the, the biggest nail on the head, which is the number of people that we'll be able to have on a court at one time. Uh, I think it's really important that we all view this this whole COVID-19 as a big numbers game. And for safety's sake, it would seem to me, be curious to get your thoughts, that the fewer people were putting ourselves in front of at one time, it, it would stand a reason that the, the, the less exposure we have to the virus and as a result uh, where we might have been able to work with six or eight players on the court at a time because we can keep them all moving and we know how to do that, uh, maybe numbers like two, three, and four per pro on a court make a lot more sense in this environment. I totally agree. And obviously that affects the revenues and the profitability because you're going to have more pros per member. So, you know, your ratios are actually going to be lower. Um, but I, I will say that the, with the juniors, it, the junior program is, is is something we have to really look at carefully. I've, I've talked to a, a few directors up there saying, well, they're a little worried about the juniors because of the danger of them you know, accumulating by the side of the court. And, 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 and that's what juniors do. Um, so a looking at possibly having juniors on every other court. So, and, and actually asking them to exit in certain ways from courts. And then also having only the pros pick up the balls. So only the certified professionals are actually in contact with the balls. And then we would have to 
basically Lysol the balls after every hour or every clinic so that, you know, we know that the balls are clean for the next hour and that pro isn't touching a, a ball that some other pro has touched, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, when you mentioned talking about juniors and congregating and all that, there is talk out in my part of the country that we not even necessarily teach groups of the really young kids, you know, the roguey level kids, the, the let's say eight and under kids because of their inability to even conceptualize and as a result be able to adhere to social distancing requirements. Do you have, do you share that concern? I share the concern, and what I have thought about is rotating that group. Say you have a group of 12, I call them orange ballers, for example, right? And they usually come at 10 o'clock. What I was looking at how I can do it with the moms, and I've been talking to the, the moms and the dads and, and my junior committee, is looking at, say, we have if you have 10 of them, you have two at 10, two at 11, two at 12, two at 1, and two at 2, so that they're – uh, their amigos, their best friends, aren't there to chat with. So they're coming for the tennis. They're still there. It's almost like a semi-private lesson. It's still at a clinic rate. Uh, I've still got an instructor out there, and that instructor will have to do one clinic over five hours. If you see, if you see how that's going to work. Just kind of a rinse and repeat deal with fewer kids at a time. That's right, and and that way there's an in and out, and they don't have a chance to go. I mean, we we have lemonade and water and all that for the kids. That's not happening this year, right? So it, it, it's going to be a bit of a juggling act if we if we have a full junior program. Um, I'm hoping that by June 25th, 28th, things may have changed, but I you know I'm an optimist at heart. Speaking of being an optimist, Ed, how optimistic are you about our ability as pros now that that are sort of seasoned and let's just call it what it is, long in the tooth, our ability to continue to recruit in the next generation of younger pros to view the tennis industry and doing what we do uh, as a viable career opportunity for them with all that they're seeing us going through right now? That's a great question. I, You know... Every, every industry is having a challenge, and um, I think the biggest challenge, uh, challenged industry might be the gym, personal trainers. I was also thinking of masseuses and, and massage therapy, personal trainers, stretching, you know, people who stretch a lot, stretching trainers. Where there's a lot of physical contact, yep. Where there's a lot of physical contact. We fortunately don't have as much physical contact uh, in terms of tennis and golf, actually, if you think about the two sports together. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not, uh, you know, under the virus's radar. We're, we're definitely, you know, a, a people's job. We're in front of people. And as you know, Andy, as well as I do, directors are front of house. You're standing with a, you know, across the desk from someone almost all day if you're not on the court. Right. And those, those, those changes, whatever they may be in the future, are going to affect our industry. I still think that our industry is a strong one. I, I'm an optimist, and I still think we can reach out to the younger wannabe professionals and say this profession will still work. Um, I've had some ideas thrown at me about buying extra ball machines for the summers so that uh, if we have a mower and a ball machine, no one touches the ball. Just someone touching the mower, which I thought was an interesting one. And they're but they're touching the ball machine or they're touching the remote control. So there's, I, I've kind of gone through that. Yeah, you have to touch, you know, wipe down the remote control, wipe down the maybe the ball machine, and wipe down the mower, but not all the ball. Um, but you know, I still think we're a very 
positive industry, it could be a lot worse. We could be in a different industry where, it, it, you know, th- think about a bartender who's looking at 24 covers, and now those covers are going to be eight because there's going to have to be three to six feet between each bar stool. No, there's no doubt about it. There's uh, there's adjustments being made everywhere. Before I let you go, Ed, uh, I want to congratulate you on the success that you've had with Beyond the Baselines. And uh, where can people pick that up that would like to be able to catch uh, and consume more tennis on online? Well, my website is uh, beyondthebaselines.com, and uh, the podcast is also called Beyond the Baselines. That's on Apple and uh, and iHeartRadio and Spotify. We're we're, we're all we're, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're hopefully there. If not, please let me know. Um, but we, we've had a really great success in in advising clubs and managers and directors in terms of programming, hiring, and and staffing retention. And that's what we really specialize in. Before I let you go. The USTA has just recently announced a stimulus package to help this industry stay viable and to help the people and the clubs that need it most. From what you've seen, from what it looks like, that stimulus package is comprised of. What are your thoughts? Well, it's it's hard to tell because we don't know the the whole percentage breakdown of what was planned and what is 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 actually out there now and what the USTA was recommitting to. I, I don't know all that information that that closely, but what I saw quickly was that they're basically giving a, a grant to the USPTA and PTR to cover uh, the professional certified coaches and instructors the, the annual dues, which would cover their liability insurance. So everyone can continue to teach um, without having to pay that insurance. My my worry is that I'm not I'm not sure that's the best avenue forward. I know they've also put some money towards grassroots tennis, but I I saw kind of a missing a missing element of the funding is is established tennis clubs. Uh, and 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 the big one is that a lot of these clubs. I think yours is too, as is mine, are 501c7, and they're not eligible for the PPP program. They're not eligible for some government uh, SBA grants because of the 501c7 uh, um, exemption. And those facilities may really be struggling, and I don't see any of that USDA money going to those facilities. And a lot of our ladies and men's teams across the nation, our junior team tennis, they're at those non-for-profit situational clubs and facilities, and I don't see a lot of funding going in that direction. I was hoping that there would be more going in that avenue uh, rather than so much going towards the USBTA and PTR. But I can see where the USDA is coming from. I don't know the percentages, though. And it, it's, a, it's a tough call how to spend that kind of money. I, I, I sympathize with the USDA. My understanding is that it's a, a program that's going to be done in phases, and, uh, and maybe as we move forward, uh, they will continue to address some of the things that you discuss there as they as they move forward. We can only hope that uh, that everybody gets touched to some extent uh, where it's needed most. But Ed, in the meantime, uh, time flies. I don't I don't do those hour podcasts like you do, which are great. I appreciate <laughs> the time that you've taken with me today, and uh, I know you're busy trying to get your arms around what this season's going to look like for you. I wish you all the best. I'm glad we've been able to connect recently because of all of this, and uh, and and I, I hope you stay healthy and uh, and well out there. You know, trying to navigate through all this. Well. I have to thank you, Andy, and, and good luck. I, I, your your podcast is something I emulate at Kickstarter Radio. It's fantastic how you 
maintain it and keep it going. I know that all the hard work that's involved now. I'm only on episode six, and I think you're you're multiplying that by a hundred with me. So I've, I've uh, had a few. Well done. Thank you. Well done, and good luck out there out west. All right, you as well, Ed, out there, out east. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Ed Shaunapy on KickServeRadio.com. Tennis on air with Andy Zoden. We appreciate your support. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this.